Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 238. Something that I, I was shared early on in my engineering career, and it's question the status quo. When, when somebody says, hey, you know, that's the way it's always been done, don't just accept that that's the best or only solution. Always, you know, try, try to do something better all the time. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Sean Tucker. Sean, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am strapped in and ready to go, Mark. All right. Great to have you here. Sean Tucker is the great-grandson of the automotive visionary Preston Tucker and the co-owner of Preston Tucker LLC. He's an automotive engineer by trade and has over 10 years of experience in design, development, and manufacturing with some of the world's leading car and truck manufacturers. Sean currently works as a quality engineer at a leading truck manufacturer and consults at Ida Automotive and Rob Ida Concepts. One of Sean's current projects includes assisting in the design and fabrication of the Tucker Torpedo concept car, a project led by Rob Ida to build the car that Sean's great-grandfather, Preston Tucker, imagined before the Tucker 48, but was never able to build. And Rob Ida's been a guest here on Cars Yeah as well. Sean, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, and of course your passion for automobiles? Sure, absolutely. Um, so uh, my, my automotive story starts uh, early in the 20th century with my uh, great-grandfather, Preston Tucker, who uh, was born in 1903. He held a number of different positions at different automakers through the through the 20s and his career in the 30s. He was heavily involved in uh, Indianapolis racing. And in the 40s, early 40s, he started work on a, a combat car that uh, was for the Dutch government that eventually uh, was tried to uh, be pitched to the U.S. government, and they weren't interested in the car because it was too fast, <laughs> but uh, they were interested in his turret. So uh, he, he had a fairly successful run there um, and then uh, moved into working with a couple of different uh, aviation companies and then moved into the development of the Tucker car, which is probably what he's most famous for. So sure, yeah. You mentioned the Tucker torpedo that we're doing now. That was kind of the, the, the first piece of that around the 1945 period. 
and uh, which eventually morphed into what we know today as the Tucker production car, which is the Tucker 48. And I guess that's uh, a common point of confusion, I think, for people is, is they think they're the same car. So it's one of our challenges with uh, with recreating it is, is the distinction between those two. Sure. I guess fast forward 25 years later, um, and uh, I was born <laughs> with uh, <laughs> my brother Mike, who's actually a twin brother. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah, and uh, we were uh, we were born in uh, Ypsilanti, Michigan, which is the same uh, same city as the family uh, home of Preston Tucker. So that's kind of kind of neat. Oh yeah. I guess from a really early age, I was I was always interested in anything cars and mechanical. So growing up with the Tucker name was was pretty interesting. I, as a young kid, I didn't really know what that meant, but I, I always knew that I had an interest in, in all things automotive. I was always, even you know, before I was 10 years old, my brother and father and I were buying and selling cars and putting things together and taking them apart. It led me eventually to a professional career in, in engineering. I went and got an engineering degree and uh, started working for an automotive supplier as a exhaust system engineer. And I did that for about 10 years, worked with uh, Ford, GM, Chrysler, Nissan, and uh, a couple of others, and got the opportunity to kind of travel all over the world to uh, to work on that. So after that, I ended up moving to the East Coast, and uh, it's actually a uh, the old guy chases girl story. So <laughs> <laughs> she, she moved, so I ended up moving as well. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it, it did end up working out. We're getting married in June. So that's oh, great. Thing. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the other thing it did was put me uh, much closer to uh, the Ida's Rob and Bob Ida shop, which uh, I, I'd known of Rob and Bob, and uh, we were uh, had some acquaintance with the original Tucker that they had put out. But uh, I guess one of the, the bigger opportunities for me was now I had a chance to actually get involved maybe in some of their projects. So I kind of said, hey, you know, can I come visit one day? And I guess I just never really left. Like <laughs> <laughs> from, from then on, we were, you know, meeting every week and seeing the how I could help out with the different projects. So yeah. it's been a uh, definite fun ride for the last few years here and got to uh, do some pretty amazing things. <laughs> what sure sounds like it, and what's really cool about this is to be able to work with somebody like Rob and his father and see something that is from your family past come to real life. Uh, it, it must be absolutely amazing for you. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost surreal. And, and, and Rob. They, they, he has, I think he has a very big interest in, in interesting cars and interesting projects. And one of the, the really neat ones that we got to work on a couple of years ago was the Gyronaut X1. It was the world's fastest motorcycle in the mid-60s, but the connection with the Tucker was it uh, was designed by the same guy that designed and the Tucker, Alex Tremulus. Mm-hmm. When we started on the project, the, the bike is actually now owned by Steve Tremulus, who's Alex Tremulus's nephew. So here <laughs> we are, you know. 50, 60, whatever years later, and it's the Idas, the Tuckers, and the Tremuluses kind of getting together to, to bring this thing back, and we ended up getting it all finished and taking it out to the Bonneville Salt Flats, and it was just a really, really neat story, and it's, I, I, I certainly don't take any of it for granted. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like to, uh, you know, recognize, hey, these, these things that are happening are special, and uh, it, it definitely puts some perspective to it. It really is cool. I love the whole thing. Everything about the story is fantastic. As we continue on your journey, I'd like to ask you for a success quote. This is uh, something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah. So, Sean, take the wheel. Well, I'd like to share something that I, I was shared early on in my engineering career, and it's 
question the status quo. When when somebody says, hey, you know, that's the way it's always been done, don't just accept that that's the best or only solution. Always, you know, try, try to do something better all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how have you incorporated that into your career? A lot of times with, uh, with I guess, working in some of the bigger corporations, there there's, is a lot of that, hey, well, you know, we've always done it this way. And, and I think in, in applying that, stepping back from a particular situation sometimes and saying, hey, well, now maybe we can do this better. It's really kind of driven me to at least take stock of that going through any project. And, and it's actually not even limited to my professional career. It's limited to, or, you know, it goes on to hobbies, all, all kinds of different stuff. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm always kind of questioning, hey, how can I do this a little bit better or a little bit different? Make it better than it was. <laughs> sure, absolutely. I, I worked with a gentleman years ago, and he had a great saying about that. He said, when people in a company start to say, well, this is the way we've always done it, the company really needs to take a step back and reassess because they've gotten really boring and really lazy. Yeah, for, for me, it's almost a warning sign to say, hey, I should pursue this. You know, some, if somebody says that particular phrase, it, it makes me want to go, well, that's what I'm going to work on then. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's not a good answer, you know? <laughs> That's great. I understand. You talked about growing up in this Tucker family surrounded with automotive heritage and history and motor oil flowing through your veins. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? Tell me about that pivotal moment as you remember it when you really knew you were a car guy. Yeah, for sure. I, I can think of a, I guess, one of my earliest memories of uh, of, of the Tucker car and, and, and just realizing what kind of that was is uh, I was probably about five years old, and my dad uh, had taken my sister and brother and I to a parade in Ypsilanti, Michigan. I think it was for um, July 4th or, or something like that, and there, there was a Tucker there, and being so young, I, I didn't really grasp what it meant. So I, I remember walking up to the car and going, huh, that's a Tucker. It's got my name on it. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, oh, what's well, going this, on here? Yeah, yeah. And I went, you know what? This this must just be every family has a car, and this is just our car. So this is nothing unusual. This is just we're just going to ride in this, and everyone has this. So <laughs> as, <laughs> as a kid, it, it, it didn't really strike me at that point until uh, – you know, when I when I started going, getting into school, and, and then I went, oh, wait, maybe this is actually something different. And it's not long after that, I guess, in 1988, when the, the Tucker movie was released. That really kind of put it into perspective. We had TV people at the house, and, you know, we're doing all kinds of things that other people weren't doing. So it was a kind of a kind of a special time. And sure. And let me ask you, regarding that movie, uh, as far as your perception of it, was it pretty true to what happened with your great-grandfather? Yeah, I mean the, the the core story is pretty much intact. So there's a uh, there's there's a gentleman that, that's done quite a bit of research on uh, on some of the pieces of that, and they took some artistic license on certain pieces, but the core story is really pretty intact. I mean, you're really getting a pretty good representation of what happened at that time. Mm-hmm. I guess one of the the biggest things is uh, there's the wrong number of children <laughs> that, <laughs> that they show in the movie. My grandfather's shown as a young man, very young when uh, in reality he was much older during the story. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah. You know, it gets the big points across. Well, that's good to hear. I love that. Sean, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty and ask you to share with me a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this question has to do with how did you overcome that? And, of course, what did you learn from it? Sure. So, 
one of the things I did really early on in my, my engineering career, I was working for a, a, a automotive supplier and exhaust systems development engineer position. I got the opportunity to work with uh, Holden in Australia to on the Pontiac GTO project that was being exported from Australia to GM North America. And it was a very small team of people, and I was kind of put in charge of all the development, you know, the development engineering pieces of that particular project. So it was a very intimidating thing to be presented with as a younger engineer. It, it forced me to, you know, spend a lot of time traveling the 14-hour the flight from Australia and back and spending lots of time in a country that's, you know, so far away that you have to even plan a phone call home with uh, with a lot of people that I, I'd never even met. So. Sure. It, it was really kind of a growing up and learning experience for me. And, and, and the project itself was, was very challenging. It was very strict timelines, very challenging targets. So as you know, a younger engineer, I was, I was interacting with a lot of uh, more of the seasoned engineers at, at Holden and at, at GM North America. And I needed to uh, really learn to how to, how to communicate and how to solve problems and how to, you know, bring people from different cultures and different, different mindsets together. So right. Right. it was a really, really positive experience for me. And, and you know, in, in looking back on me, I can't think of, on, on, my, on my experience, I can't really think of another thing I, I, that would have been more beneficial to me. So that particular project was, was, was really great, and I made some great friends that I'm still in contact with. So. You know, lots of times when we're pushed to our limits is when we, um, the best in us comes out and shines. And uh, sure. it sounds like that was one of those experiences for you. Let's shift gears here and, and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those aha moments in your career. I always like to say it's a time when the headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way for a new direction. Tell us the steps that you took to turn your aha moment into a success. All right. Um, I'm probably going to use a, a fairly recent story on, uh, on on the Tucker Torpedo Project. Oh, good. Okay, on. great. <laughs> it's an interesting project because we, we have a lot of uh, concepts and drawings, but nothing really of the technical details of the car. So we're finding that as as we go through some of these these different pieces of the features they wanted to put together, that some of it doesn't necessarily work. <laughs> so ah, for instance, okay. the, <laughs> yeah. So the, the the piece I'm going to talk about specifically is uh, the torpedo was intended to be center drive, mm-hmm. and in some of the concept drawings, they they show a uh, a seating position that has three seats across the front. And the two outer seats kind of swing out so that the, the the passengers can get out and the driver can uh, walk over to get into his seat. Mm-hmm. When we when we kind of mocked that up in, in in SolidWorks in our in our CAD program, it was very clear from the beginning that it just does not fit in the car. Mm. So <laughs> it, it led us to okay, well, we need to do something else instead. So what we came up with was. Uh, a, ro- a rotating floor that's that's kind of modeled after a, a merry-go-round. So we've got a, a three-position seat in which anybody can get in, and then they'll they'll hit a button, and it will rotate them around to the driving position or which, whichever position they want to be in. So it's, oh wow, I guess pretty pretty unconventional for uh, for a seating setup in a car, but really practically the only way we could make it work for the torpedo. It's some of the some of the reasons that that. Preston maybe didn't enjoy the design at the time or didn't pursue it were the clearances around some of the doors and things like that. It's, it's very hard to actually fit things in there, even though it's a big car. So it's uh, right. a solution where we've got a, the concept done and 
I think it's going to be a great success. Uh, sounds very interesting. I can't wait to see the final produced piece. It sounds amazing. I'm sure you've had a lot of proud moments along the way in your career, but is there one that stands out for you as the, the best? There is. I've, I've, had, I've had a lot of experiences with, uh, you know, with the Tucker history and, and some with, uh, there's, there's a new uh, exhibit that opened in the AACA Museum in Hershey that has, you know, three Tuckers and a whole bunch of original parts. But for me, I'm, I'm really more of a hands-on guy. I like to be involved in projects. So it's really going to be the, the Tucker torpedo project for me, being able to get involved in this car that was designed by my great-grandfather 70 years ago, and they just kind of, you know, left it. And, and being able to pick that up and, and see, you know, things that they were working on, things that they were thinking about and taking into the next steps has easily been one of the proudest proudest things I've been able to do. I've got to think so. It's got to be absolutely amazing. It's um, going back in time, almost a back to the future story, and then creating something that was never built. It's just a fascinating story to me. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory with me that you had with that vehicle. Sure. So my first special car was actually, I, I, since I have a twin brother, we, we pretty much always split everything, even to this day. So we, we <laughs> kind of co-owned it. But uh, so it's always nice to have a business partner. But yeah. uh, we had a, a 1973 BMW 2002 that we purchased when we were about 14 years old. And, oh, wow. Uh, it was in pretty good condition, but we really wanted to spruce it up and you know make it make it really really good for our first car in high school. So we uh, redid pretty much the whole thing, rebuilt the engine, painted the car, you know, did, did everything on on our own. Really, I guess the special thing for me that that I took from that car is that I, I can do things. You know, it, it's it's really you don't have to have you know all these big huge shops and all this stuff to do things you can you can do stuff with what you've got at your own house and, and really just by working hard sometimes uh-huh. so it really you know drove me to having some confidence in into doing things myself yeah fantastic you know those are really fun little cars i had a guest on the show last week steve cottrell who works at sports car market magazine and he just posted on facebook he just got one of those and he's so uh, so excited yeah. yeah he's so excited I'd love about to get it another yeah, yeah, I have a friend here in Gig Harbor that has one as well, and uh, really fun low cars. I think they're great. Absolutely. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you could have back in your garage? Yes, there is. Uh, it's, it's actually a car that my father owned when uh, when I was a, a younger man, and we had a, a Toyota FK40 Land Cruiser. I think it was a 74, mm-hmm. and that car's always really been kind of special to me. I, I can remember... Saturday mornings when, you know, when I was a kid, my dad and brother and I would jump in the Land Cruiser and it had a top speed of 60 miles an hour. That's all <laughs> yeah. it did. But uh, we would run down to the donut shop and get donuts and chocolate milk and then come back and, you know, share it with the family. And it's something I still, you know, still remember and still think about and go, man, that was such a neat car. We ended up taking it apart and repainting it and doing all kinds of things with it and uh, eventually selling it. But I would really like to have that one back just to, just to get, you know, be able to relive some of those memories. Yeah, they've uh, they've kind of gotten quite expensive those vehicles, and yes, they have. <laughs> you know, if you can find if you can find one, you could always uh, talk to Jonathan uh, Ward from Icon, who's been on this show, oh, and yeah. have him build uh-huh. you a version of that yeah, vehicle. Yeah, I'm familiar with his work. Yeah, he does a great job. <laughs> oh my gosh, he does incredible work. It's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, here's another question for you about vehicles: Is there a vehicle that you've bought in your past that after you bought it, you went, "What was I thinking"? 
Yeah, well, I, I have one in particular. I think it's uh, and it's a bit of a weird one. When I moved out to Pennsylvania, I bought a uh, a big. It was an ex city of Detroit maintenance vehicle. It's a F three fifty. I'm sorry, E three fifty van, and it's a diesel. Uh-huh. So it's this big, giant, kind of clunky thing that we we uh, bought to move out here. But the funny thing is, I I really haven't been able to get rid of it. It's <laughs> just because it's not. It has. I still have it, and it's, it's. I don't really use it for much, but it's such an odd vehicle that I don't really know what to do with it. So <laughs> I don't know that I really have so much remorse about it. It's just confusion of why did I ever buy this thing? So, right, <laughs> and why do I still have it? Yeah, yeah. Why, why, why do I still own it? Well, this next question, I, I know what we're going to talk about a little bit more here. At least I hope so. But it has to do with current projects, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about this current project you're working on right now that has you really excited and fired up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the, the biggest project for me is, is the Tucker Torpedo, for sure. I was actually working on it just, just before we started our talk. <laughs> but oh, uh, it's given me an opportunity to do a lot of uh, a lot of really engineering work that I, I wouldn't have been able to do without, you know, the IDAs and, and some support from SolidWorks and those types of things. So I'm doing a lot of virtual modeling and a lot of uh, the pieces of the interior. I talked about the, the rotating seat. We're also working on the steering column, and uh, the frame is getting fabricated. We're having um, we just had the body 3D scanned by a, a company to try to compare that to what our CAD model was. So it's for me, it's it's a lot of what I'm used to in in, in my engineering career of you know, hey, modeling concepts and testing how they work on you know from a virtual standpoint, which is really pretty enjoyable, especially on a car that uh, you know was was part of my namesake. So it's. That, that's been really, really awesome. And, and, and I guess the other part of that project that's really special is the people, you know, the people involved with the project, Rob Ida and Bob Ida and, and Bob Cuneo, who we have working on some of the chassis stuff. It's odd to get, I think, a group of people that are motivated and excited about the same thing. And I'm really enjoying the experience of being able to collaborate with these people that have the same motivation and the same drive and the same real passion for, you know, doing this thing the right way. It's just all around an, an incredible experience so far, and it's and it's not over yet. So, Do you guys have a, a end date or a finish date that you have on the calendar? Is that set in stone? Yeah. Rob has a uh, an unofficial target of uh, the Amelia Island Concourse d'Elegance in 2016. So okay. That's the, so just, uh, that's just about a year from now, 11 months, so? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we're moving forward every day, so it's it's, it's a challenge. <laughs> It'll be great. What color is it going to be? Uh, that's a good question, and it's undecided. Undecided. <laughs> so we, uh, we've been talking about uh, potentially doing maybe a contest online where we you know put some different renderings up and see what people think. Or, and, uh, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, but not sure yet, so that's All right. a piece of the puzzle. There we go. There we go. All right, Sean, here's a funny question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Hmm, well, I, I guess the easy answer here is the Tucker. Of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go away from that one just to, just to be a little different. I think uh, the, the one that comes to mind is actually a fairly modern car. Well, it's a very modern car. It's, it's, it's the Tesla, the Tesla Model S. And oh, I wow. Think the reason that is, I, I, I personally see a lot of similarities between what, what Tesla's trying to do and maybe what Tucker was attempting to do in, in that you know, everybody's kind of going one direction with regards to the industry. And they said, you know what, we found this other thing and we're going to go do this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a very difficult thing to do, which I think they're experiencing a little bit. But uh, 
nonetheless something I would do on my own. So I'm really impressed with, with the Tesla. Great-looking car, good performance. I, I really think they're they're got a really good concept there. I do, too. I love what they're doing. I think it's great. Of course, Elon Musk, amazing gentleman, mm-hmm. not, not unlike your great-grandfather, really a visionary, somebody that had this whole has this whole other idea of how things can right. be. And I was fortunate enough to get a to spend an entire day with an actual Tucker photographing the car, oh, wow. crawling around it, getting in it. Uh, it was from the LeMay Museum and yep, here, here in Tacoma. The car, yeah. yeah, the blue car. And mm-hmm. it was uh, it was really revealing to me, uh, getting up close and, and personal, all the, because I've been around a lot of old cars, photographed a lot of old cars, and, and all the little different nuances of what your great-grandfather did. So I think that's mm-hmm. great that uh, you chose a, a Tesla for what kind of car you would be. So, Sean, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a word from our sponsor. Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book, from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E gear.com. All right, we're back, Sean, and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some real quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? I am ready. Great. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? I would say... Early in my career, don't, I was told, don't be afraid to say that you don't know. <laughs> don't be afraid to ask questions. Yes. I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's an easy one, but I think it gets missed sometimes. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a great one. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? I think one of the things that, that I take pride in is being reliable and, and following through on commitments. So. Mm. Yeah, with with different projects that I'm involved with at the shop, or even in my professional career, I, I really try to be very good about being on top of whatever it is, communicating the statuses, and 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 really, you know, coming through with what what I said I was going to do. So it's something that's important to me. Great. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you think they would really enjoy? Probably, uh, probably Rob Ida Concepts, Ida Automotive. Uh, if, if you're looking for a really special car, yeah, <laughs> they're they're the guys you go to. I also uh, run a small company called Preston Tucker LLC that we try to promote the legacy of Preston Tucker and, and some of the projects and are getting into more of the high rod fabrication stuff with Rob. So those, Great. Those, those are the three. Awesome. Great. How about a book? Is there one book in particular you think the Car Shot listeners would really enjoy? Now, this one was a tough one because Rob Ida actually took my book. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is an interview. He, he used the entitled Tin Goose, which is like, you know, quintessential Tucker book. Uh-huh. One of the other guys that uh, was a part of the I guess uh, Preston's life with Harry Miller, legendary race car builder. So, oh, yeah. The book I would pick is uh, The Miller Dynasty, A Technical History of the Work of Harry A. Miller. It's a really, really great book on the research and work of, of Harry Miller. Oh, yeah. I love that book. I have a copy of that. And 
A Miller uh, IndyCar was uh, another vehicle I got to spend a day with that was just yeah. a marvelous yeah. machine. I think it was from the early 30s, maybe. I don't remember mm-hmm. the exact date, but just a beautiful piece of jewelry, if you will. Right. You know, simple, yeah. but just absolutely fantastic. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, listeners, you can find these resources at com slash Sean Tucker. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars, Sean? I do. I, I sometimes think I have too many hobbies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I own a house that uh, was built in uh, 1935 that we're currently uh, restoring to uh, its original splendor. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so that's, that's a bit of a project. Oh, yes. Uh, I do uh, I do competition barbecue, which is a, just a little unusual. Competition um, barbecue. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we go out for a weekend and cook a bunch of meat, and somebody judges it, and it's a, it's a pretty good time. All right. Most recently, I've gotten involved into custom chocolate molding, which uh, oh my gosh, was, yeah, it's kind of a function of uh, actually, it's actually in support of our wedding in June. Uh, one thing I thought of that uh, I could do once we had the CAD model of the cars, I thought, hey, I could make little, you know, little kind of chocolate Tucker cars, and, yeah, and pass them out for the wedding. So great idea. I had a. Uh, we sent out the model, and I had a mold made, and, and, and now I'm making little Tucker cars, so it's, uh, it's worked out pretty well. You know, that's cool. Years ago, I worked at a company, and one of the Christmas gifts that we marketed was a set of chocolate tools. So a yeah. uh, hammer, wrench, and pliers, and screwdriver, and a little, uh, looked like a little toolbox, but they were all chocolate. You could eat them. So uh, I love that. That's great. Very interesting hobbies you have in your life. That's wonderful. <laughs> all right, Sean, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because today I'll pay for whatever it is, what would that one vehicle be and why? This is where I'm going to take the easy way out. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's, it's definitely going to be the Tucker 48. Yeah, um, I kind of thought so. Why not? Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess the interesting thing is the, the Tucker family doesn't own any Tucker cars at all. And and it hasn't for some time, and and to be able to be uh, the keeper of one of those and yes. show it to the next generation would just be great. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. The car. Well, they've become such collector pieces, and the like many cars these days, the value and, and price points of those things have just gone through the roof. Right. But, uh, yeah, and it's it's almost a bit of a catch twenty two for me. It's it's kind of like seeing uh, your favorite sports team do really well when some. You know, when one of them sells for a lot of money, but then on the the other side, it's, oh, well, that just got that much farther out of reach. So. Yes, yeah, I understand. There's many of my dream cars that have just, I see them evaporating before my eyes. They've right, just become yeah. so valuable. So, uh, well, that's the way it is. But I sure hope that a Tucker finds its way back to the Tucker family at some point. It just seems like it's the right thing to have happen. But maybe you can have Rob make you one. As, yep, as you yep. are, and uh, yeah, you'll come close. That was going to be the next idea. Yes, absolutely. Sean, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey and your family's journey with me and the Cars Yow listeners. It's been really fascinating. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your Tucker? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that, uh, that's important these days is, is, is just getting involved in the things that you want to do. I mean, don't be afraid to get involved in a project or send you know somebody on Instagram or Facebook an email to say, hey, can I get involved in this stuff? Because a lot of times, especially with the resources that are out there, it's possible and you can do things that you might never have thought you had the opportunity to do. I mean, it, it, yes. it certainly happened for me. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the Tucker family and the project you're working on with Rob? 
I have a website under uh, it's on www.tuckercorporation.com. Um, also, Rob Ida's website, which is robidaconcepts.com. And we are both on Instagram. You can find Rob at, at Rob Ida, and I am at, at Sean Tucker 48 And on uh, Facebook at Preston Tucker LLC and Ida Automotive. Awesome. Great. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything that Sean has shared with us today. Again, at carsyeah.com. Just put Sean, S-E-A-N, in the search box and his show notes page will pop up with links to everything. Sean, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences and your journey with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!